0: all right it's time to move
1: well I'm just thrilled that we have mask fans out there who are still still mask fans I sort of thought that the whole thing would would die a quiet quiet death as you guys grew up but I'm amazed mm-hmm. to find that there's so many.
0: You know, something like mask was magical, just magical. And it just doesn't happen all the time.
1: Vanessa, in my mind, drives her own life. One day she may get in an argument with Miles Mayhem and say, up your nose, I'm out of here. Mask
2: cast.
0: Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission.
2: Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital.
0: Personnel approved. Assemble mobile armored strike command.
3: Welcome, faithful Masscast listeners, to Masscast number fifty-three, and a special treat for you, veering off of the episode reviews for a minute to get another voice actor—actually, two actors—on the line tonight. It was such a great experience. Wyatt. I, I I'm sure, not what to say at this point.
2: <laughs> right, and and that's what uh, we said it in the interview. And even back on Doug's where, you know, 30 years ago, when we were 9 or 10, we wouldn't have even fathomed being able to talk to any of the voice actors. And now, fast forward, um, we've been able to talk to Doug, we've actually now been able to meet with Doug, and then sit with him on a panel at RetroCon 2015. And now, thanks to your salesman like approach, we've (laughs) now not got one but two in one interview uh, Brennan McCain and uh, Sharon Noble and uh, granted we knew that they were a couple but uh, it
3: was a real surprise it was, it was a
2: pleasant surprise to be able to talk to both of them they took their turns uh, and basically we wanted their time because uh, Brennan had something afterwards so he basically took the mic first uh-huh. and then it went on to Sharon which uh Oh man, it was it was a treat, for, really, for both of them.
3: Yeah, and if you you know if you've been on our Facebook page, you've seen Sharon chime in from a time or two, comment, she'll like some posts. The same with some of the other voice actors, like I've seen Mark Halloran chime in on a few things on on some of the Mask Facebook pages and such. And you know, it it just started from there. It was knowing that you know Doug was on Facebook reaching out to him and the same with Sharon Uh, I just sent her a quick message and a a Facebook friend request hey this is you know Jason from Agents of Mask and you know we host this podcast and it just kind of went from there Uh, she said she'd love to do it and I hadn't heard from her in a while and then all of a sudden uh, I get a message just a couple days ago and she said, uh, here's, here's some, uh, available times and her being on the West coast and us on the East coast, we tried to <laughs> find a happy medium in there to, to meet with her. And then after we, after I connected on Skype, she said, Oh, and by the way, Brendan will be available to uh, chat some as well. So I was like, wow, we get, uh, we get miles mayhem and Vanessa in one, uh, one podcast. Right. So it was, it's been a real treat, um, Talking to her, talking to Brennan, and just being able to get more insight into the show, uh, how it was produced, uh, the really the lifelong friendships that were made by the actors through the show.
2: Right, and they're still and, friends to to this day. Where they're going out for, as uh, Brennan said, for tea, or they'll ha- come over for Thanksgiving dinners it's It's fascinating that they've kept that connection, and it did start with mask. We joke about it, you know how the community kind of has evolved, exploded, I would say of late within the last uh five years, maybe more, mm-hmm. but it it was still a connection with them, these voice actors who sat in a studio, and you'll hear the story from uh Sharon, I think mostly how they sat around and would their lines and then be joking around inside the headsets (laughs) it was just and now they're they're still spitting out lines to this day uh, whenever they they meet and you'll that on this recording this podcast and it's uh, like we've both indicated uh, especially on this one it's just really surreal and humbling that we were able to get to talk with our voice actors, the characters, the people that, that voiced our, our favorite characters from, from Mask. Um, I'm going to be beaming for another freaking... Uh, <laughs> like I was, I'm still kind of on uh, the beam from uh, RetroCon. Uh, so I
3: Well, I found it a, a very telling experience, too, just how open she was to give tips about writing. Yes. Uh, she pretty much gave us a... A full college college lecture on writing novels just to to sit down and to take the time to do that. And you can tell she's passionate about it, passionate about her work in general. But hearing from us and the the novice writers that we are and and to be able to give tips to us and to whoever's listening, I I thought that was uh, just really cool. And like you said, I mean – yeah, we're we're on an all-time high here, all-time mask high <laughs> in the last couple of months, meeting Doug and now virtually meeting Sharon and Brendan. So we thank, uh, obviously, them for, for taking the time. Uh, we hope you guys will uh, enjoy the interview. Hopefully we'll get uh, more of the cast uh, before too long, and we'll see, uh, see if we can get you some more uh, insight into the show but uh, it was a real treat they both essentially talked our ears off uh, without much direction we had a, a laundry list of questions to ask and we did get to some uh, listener questions that we sent out with the newsletter that uh, for the people that replied back to uh, to ask Sharon we didn't know that Brendan was going to be also uh, participating at the time so we didn't uh, didn't say anything about uh, him Tag along in the newsletter but it was just a just a real fun experience and we we really hope you guys will enjoy it so shall we uh give them what they came for
2: yes and <laughs> i want to echo it one last time before we send it off thank you very much brennan thank you very much sharon for taking the time out of your schedules to sit down with us virtually anyway and allow us to start the mass cast.
3: Hello listeners, this is Jason, and on the line with me is my pal Wyatt. How are you doing tonight, Wyatt?
2: I'm swell. How are you?
3: (laughs) I'm doing great. We have a uh, very special surprise tonight for everybody that listens to MassCast. Um, We are very pleased to welcome a television and film and voice actor. Uh, Our listeners will know him as the ruthless leader of Venom, Miles Mayhem. And he also portrayed Venom Agent Floyd Malloy and Mask Agents Alex Sector, Jacques Lafleur and Nevada Rushmore on the Mask Animated Series. Please welcome to Mask Cast, Brendan McCain. How are you tonight, sir?
0: Well, I'm just fine. Uh, I don't know who, uh, who who's talking at the moment, whether it's Alex or Miles or <laughs> Floyd. <laughs> Several several guests are on the line tonight, the party line. It's very <laughs> schizophrenic, <All> right.
3: <laughs> well, we uh, certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, uh, your lovely wife a little bit later on, but uh, we're very grateful for you taking the time to answer a few of our questions, and uh, we actually have some listener questions as well that were sent in, uh, a few of those. But uh, I guess um, if you would, just tell us... Um, A little bit about where you're from and how you got into to acting and and so forth
0: well uh i'm happy to answer that question uh but you have to understand that's probably the most dangerous question you can (laughs) ask uh, because if i start with well it all started in a small village you know that you're in trouble right Uh, (laughs) but to truncate it for you Uh, I'm from Canada, and um, I uh, became an actor at 19. I worked in the theater in Canada, in uh, Victoria, British Columbia, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, Calgary, um, uh, doing all sorts of uh, different styles of theater, including musicals, dramas, uh, Shakespeare, all the rest of it. And uh, I guess the only really interesting part, the part that I would find interesting, is that I always wanted to be an American. And um, as it happened in one of the productions of plays I was doing in Canada, uh, so was Sharon Noble, uh, my wife. And as it happens, she was an American. And so I thought, there's my opportunity. (laughs) And it's not that I loved her, it's that she was American. She carried American papers and um, well, I I did uh, grow fond of her over time. Uh, So uh, we got together and uh, we uh, we both returned, or she returned to the United States and I followed. And I guess the, you know, the funnest is, I don't know if that's a word. Um, the funnest part of this story is that both Sharon and I, we were, we had arrived in California. we were on a beach in Santa Monica. I think it was November. And of course, for Californians, that's really cold. But for us, it was extremely warm.
4: <laughs>
0: and as it happened, we were with some other friends who were also actors. And one of them said, oh, by the way, there's this company, and they're looking for Canadian actors to do voiceover work. And um, our ears uh, perked up, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got the name of that person. And um, we went and met with these people, and they were, of course, Deke Enterprises, and their right. needs were very, very specific. They needed Canadian actors who were members of the Canadian Union, who were not members of the American Union, and of course, most Americans wouldn't fit that profile. Right. So, fortunately for us, we did, and um, and that's how we came into contact uh, with Deke Enterprises and. Uh, we, you know, of course, auditioned several times and uh, were very fortunate in being chosen. And uh, um, I mean, the great thing for Sharon and I uh, was that it's a double header. We were married, so all the money goes into one bank account. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the short, uh, truncated version of how we got. From the beginning of uh, uh, desire to be actors to arriving at Deke's doorstep.
2: That's great. Yeah. Did it start, I guess, once you hit California, did you start with Mask? Or was there a venture prior to that?
0: No. we. Uh, there was no previous venture because we had been in California for two weeks.
4: Wow. Ah,
0: okay. For this to occur... This is what every child in Nebraska and the rest of the country dreams about, that they would come to the land of movie making and somehow find their way into the business. Now, of course, Sharon and I came with, with extensive resumes, um, but the, the other part of the story is, is magical because, in fact, we were here only for two weeks. We were having meetings with um, some of the uh, largest the most important agents in town, but they didn't direct us to this opportunity. Um, our our uh, uh, inadvertent uh, meeting on the beach in Santa Monica is what led us to Deke. Uh, so there was no previous work. I see. Was there
2: what kind of... Um was there an audition process or was it like, hey, we we love what you're
0: doing or we, we... well um, we, we we first of all we met uh, with the with the producers. They made sure that we met all the criteria in as much as we were Canadians, we were belonged to the Canadian Union, and we did not belong to SAG. Right. Um, and of course, just parenthetically, we were virtually on on the uh, doorstep of joining SAG, and we held off <laughs> because of this opportunity. Right. So once that once that occurred, the audition process started, and uh, it's you know I, I have to confess I don't recall. Everything I I recall that we were given scripts. Uh, we were given some description of the characters, and I think, and Sharon can correct me. I re- I remember preparing for several days, um, because this was a massive opportunity, and uh, we were going to get one bite at the apple. So. I think I was preparing for Miles Mayhem, and, you know, I'm not a particularly large man. Uh, I'm also not tiny. Uh, But Miles Mayhem, as you well know, uh, has a very big presence, uh, a very bass voice. My natural voice is not particularly bass. uh, I, you know, my voice has a, a certain lightness to it, and so I had to work very hard to, to come up with some, some bass and some, some heavy weight, uh, which I did. Um, and of course, Sharon is also doing this at the same time. Uh, it, with the various characters that she would be auditioning for. So after some substantial preparation, we went in. And as I recall, they didn't make any decision, and I believe, I, I believe we had to come back and do it again. Um, what typically happens in circumstances like this, uh, I mean, this is a cartoon series, so everybody wants to be part of this. So I don't know exactly how many people were auditioning, but I know we were called back. And and I recognized that was good. And um, then, lo and behold, word came down that not only was I chosen, but Sharon was chosen. I mean the the likelihood of that is uh, slim to none right, uh, right. you know the odds so uh, so there you are and and we really didn't know what that meant except uh, we were going to do this cartoon series, but uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, I think there was anxiety that, it could end at any moment. Right. You know, uh, you go into your first uh, studio session and you do it and uh, all the powers that be who are spending substantial, a substantial amount of money may not like you. <laughs> <laughs> and so your your happy Santa Monica Beach surprise could come to a thundering end right. uh, quickly. Uh, however... That was not the case, and uh, there we were two weeks into the country, um, and before we knew it, we were scheduling recording sessions um, and uh, and doing the performances. That's
3: pretty wild um, how quickly that happened like that, and I guess a, a follow-up question for me would be, how was the transition? Because this was your first voice acting job, correct?
0: Well, in fairness to myself and to Sharon, uh-huh. our history in the theater was varied, wide and varied. So I had played all sorts of characters that yeah. were many times my age. And, uh, and so I had a certain amount of experience, a, a certain, a substantial amount of acting experience. So I was not nervous about acting and I had a measurable, definable skill. That's not to say that they would like it. Um, um, so the new part of it was going into a studio and the the, the uh, approach that Deke took as I recall is that we had the script and in the studio, just like you're, you are there with your headphone on, all the actors are on a soundstage, and there could be four or five of us, whatever it is. And we had the script, and we had a director. Uh, her name is Marsha Goodman. Um, and we would go through the script and do the voices, and she would direct us and make, you know, make suggestions, or, you know, corrections or slight change of direction. And what we didn't have, which is my point, is that we didn't have the visual. That is critical because it allowed us the freedom. Uh, oh, I think uh, Sharon's going to interrupt me.
1: Yes, we did.
0: Oh, we did. We did have the visual. We have
1: storyboards from Japan. Oh,
0: storyboards. Mm-hmm. But oh, okay. Okay. storyboards, of course, are different than the animation playing yeah. in front of sure. you on a screen. Right. and. When you have uh, you, so you have a script, and you, and and the line is, um, it's Miles Mayhem, and he's saying, um, "All right, it's time to move." <laughs> if you have the visual on the screen, you have to match the the visual's mouth, right. and right. that's a real skill. Uh, voice actors are to be admired because they, they can do this. Uh, you have to be able to do several things at once. I'm not particularly good at that. So it was very fortunate for me that we didn't have that approach. I don't know that I would have survived the series <laughs> if I had a... I could do the voice, I could do the acting, but to get the, the, you know, the lips in sync, everything in sync is is a real skill. And if you, you can't take 10 takes, (laughs)
4: you
0: know, you have to, they want it done in one take, maybe two. So I'm just saying it was fortunate for me.
3: Sure. I guess what I was getting at was like when we talked with Doug, um, and he had somewhat of a stage background and how much just the reflection that you have to do to the audience helped him in his recording sessions. And, uh, you know, he did several characters as well, and I was, it was it's obviously admirable when you can go from one character voice to the next without skipping a beat, you know, and obviously you did a few like that. I'm not sure if you had any of those, you know, within your recording session where you're having to do Miles Mayhem on, you know, and then immediately do like Alex, the, you know, the British uh, accent, you know, right after that and, and how much it, you know. That, that's, that is truly a skill. I, I definitely agree.
0: Well, is I many times everybody had to shift from one character to another, and uh, for me, probably the 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 difficult part of the shift is that Miles Mayhem is very throaty, and Alex Sector is not. So you have to shift physically. Uh, so you know the the the, the muscles the. That you use in your throat for Miles Mayhem, you have to let go of them, and then, uh, you know, you you shift into Alex, or uh, um, you know, he's somewhat, you know, professorial, um, right, right. Uh, and, and more gentler and gentler and kind kinder. Uh, but yeah, all of the actors and, and uh, uh, Doug Stone in particular had a, a, a very good skill. Doug, Doug was very skilled.
2: Uh, you've already really touched on it with the uh, with the recording sessions, but what are, where was your, I guess, inspiration for the voices? Was there some kind of um, list or something that they'd like to hear for Alex or Miles, or did you just kind of, I'm going to try this for Miles and see if it sticks. If it doesn't work, then I'll try this other voice.
0: Yeah, the answer is you have to make the decision. Uh, it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I think that from a, the general public's point of view, it wouldn't be something that you would anticipate, but what a producer, a producer has a problem. A producer has a character. That character for the producer is a problem. What the producer wants is a solution. So you have to decide when you're the actor auditioning. You have to bring the solution. And to bring the solution, you have to make choices. So you can't be wishy-washy because your performance is... If you're wishy-washy or not strong, your performance is going to reflect it. So you have to make hard decisions, throw it against the wall, and see if it sticks. Uh, You know, for me, looking at Miles Mayhem... If you look at the drawing, I mean, he's just, he's as thick as mud. He's as thick as wood. Um, so, you know, he certainly wasn't going to be up here. You know, I'll get you. you no, know, you know, he, he was going to be aggressive, uh, um, throaty. Uh, and and it was, um, I, I was concerned, I mean, one, I wanted the role... Two, I was concerned about whether I could maintain it because that kind of right. throatiness, if you don't handle it well and you're in a studio doing that for eight hours, you'll eventually lose your voice. Um, so I think my, you know, my background as an actor somewhat helped prevent that, uh, uh, that occurrence. Uh, but to answer your question, um, you make hard choices and you commit to it And pray it
4: works.
0: (laughs) And, and, you know, I will say, because this really further answers your question or expands on it, when we would go into the studio, we wouldn't, there would be several casual characters, characters that are only in that episode.
4: Right.
0: So we all, all of us, had to audition for those characters on the spot. Oh, wow. So... Yes, you're playing Miles Mayhem uh, or or Matt Tracker, but now there's this other character, and he he comes from China, and you now have to come up with something. And we would all compete, and it was a generous competition, you know, because, you know, we all wanted... Because if we got that character, we were paid more money. Mm. So there is, a you know, a natural... Uh, competition there, and you know, sometimes I would be successful, sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, And they would have to, you know, the producers, uh, uh, Marsha Goodman in particular, uh, would have to make the choices right there. Okay, you're going to play uh, you know, Chow Wei Lu, Doug Stone. And then he's, that's what he's going to do. He's going to do it. He's going to play that character. And that happened all the time. I thought it was pretty fascinating
3: when we talked with Doug that he actually portrayed uh, your brother in the later episodes, Maximus Mayhem, uh, and that he was able to, you know, to do that throatiness on there as well. And, you know, know, like uh, as far as Sharon goes, it seems like she... Pretty much had all of the ladies throughout the whole series. Now, even if it wasn't one of the main characters, if there was a a doctor or, or somebody within that episode, uh, you know, it was it was her. So,
0: well, that's that's that, pretty amazing. You know, she was the only one in the room that wore a bra, um, <laughs> so she had a, a natural advantage, um, and also, uh, you know, she had the skill, so she could.
3: Sure, sure. Well, uh, I guess tell us a little bit more kind of moving past mask and have you done more acting past then or your uh your imdb page isn't really giving uh (laughs) you have the mysterious edge there like uh like
0: miles but um, i i think uh i think mysterious is is very kind (laughs) um uh first of all uh acting is a a big a big career and um I had been doing it for some, I guess, I, I'm not sure, uh, 30 years, by the time we came here. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did other stuff, you know, I did uh, uh, some television, uh, Star Trek, Hunter, uh, but the, the... Melrose Place. Uh, thank you, Bobo. Uh, Melrose Place. Um, the truth is that, you know, there are too many actors and not enough parts. And at some point, I decided that I didn't want to keep on uh, continue chasing it. So I really terminated my acting career uh, and I uh, went into real estate and then I went to law school and uh, am now waiting uh, results for the California Bar uh, so that I could uh, function as an attorney. Uh, so, I, I guess what I would say is, it, it's not that I, I wouldn't like to act. Uh, there simply, you spend too much time getting the work and not enough time doing the work. Uh, you know, something like Mask was magical, just magical. And it just doesn't happen all the time. Uh, uh, but I'm not unhappy with that. You know, I'm uh, I like what I do, and so the, so I I still go out periodically. Uh, I go out for commercials, uh, and I, I, I have to confess. Uh, you know, Sharon uh, keeps on jabbing me in the ribs and <laughs> saying, you know, why don't you go out and just go out and audition for stuff, and. I must say that I'm reconsidering going back out and, and auditioning.
2: Well, it'd be great to see you in and whatever's up and coming, whether it's a commercial or a uh, feature on a TV show, or who knows, it might be the next uh, NCIS agent. Who knows? <laughs>
4: who uh, knows? Who knows?
2: Uh, what led you into that career of uh, to get into to law? I mean, what I guess, unless you really liked uh, Miles Mayhem and wanted to be the uh, prosecutor or something.
0: No, it's one of those. Uh, you, you, you know, they. I guess. Uh, well, we all have. I guess deeply personal desires, and uh, for whatever reason, as a young fellow, um, I thought that I would like to to be a lawyer, and I I wanted to be a lawyer because it was the only place. That I could find where the buck stops. You know, people have problems in their lives, uh, they have conflicts, and uh, they do all sorts of things that either don't resolve those conflicts or 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 cause damage to other people. Uh, the law uh, is this great forum where, if you can bring people into its arms. Um, It resolves their problems probably as best as they could be resolved. And it allows people, once they find a resolution, uh, to move on. So uh, I know that probably sounds, I'm not quite sure what it sounds like. Uh, But but that's what it is, is that the law has, it does great, can do great justice and, and really help people move on with their lives. And punish those that um, interfere with other people's lives.
2: That's actually a good way of putting it, because I know we typically see what we see on, on TV, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm even talking what we see in reality, the news media and so forth. And you, you um, I like your perspective a lot better than what we shallowly see um, from what the news media kind of throws at us rather than sitting in the actual – Courtroom and hearing all the actual proceedings going on, where you have a little more of a defined um, answer, I guess. Yes, it,
0: yeah, I understand what you're saying, and of course, the you know the news media's job is one; it's as much entertainment as anything else. And of course, if you actually go into a courtroom, you know, uh, people would be snoring uh, with boredom. <laughs> Uh, uh, in short order, uh, but but what you do see if if it's a you know if it's an interest that you might have, you watch you you watch the judge control everything, and the judge the judge has massive power, and the judge listens to people every day of his life. He hears people lie, and he hears people tell the truth, and his job is to get. This case resolved, and he does so. You know, um, uh, he does so by by making orders that people uh, uh, must comply with, uh, and if they don't, they they face um, uh, the wrath of the court. Uh, so it's a it's a it's it's a function. It's a it's a social function in our society that that provides guidance and 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 closure. For people
3: well Well, that's great um we certainly you know won't hold anything against you for you know choosing another career i know just like i said when we talked with doug it's it's such a hard life you're working uh you know 16 hours a day or even more uh, if you're if you're lucky you know uh especially with the voice acting and i know Doug has made a career of it, and it's amazing, you know, the laundry list of shows and video games and everything that he's been on. But, you know, we obviously you – know, here we are, a couple of almost 40-year-old kids talking <laughs> talking about a show, you know, that we we kind of cherished and loved and still do to this day. So, you know.
0: Well, uh, you know, I, I, we, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. I just wanted to comment on that. One of the things – that we don't, we as actors, um, don't recognize at the time, is that this, in fact, does have an impact on people, and there are these children out there, uh, that this is part, this is part of their architecture. Uh, And, and, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not sure how old you are, but you know, someday you you you'll go back to the house that you were born in, uh, and look at it, and 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 you'll say, "Oh my God, somebody's living in my house." Um, I've actually done that. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> shocking. Uh, Would you please get out of my house? You're in my bedroom. Um, uh, but it, but the mask and other shows have the same impact because they become part of your psyche. You know and those are your know, your memories are part of who you are, and uh, so all I'm saying is, you know, I, I didn't appreciate at the time. This impacts people. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Mm. I I was going to say we can attest that. Uh, well, I'm nearing forty, uh, with Jason trailing behind me at thirty nine. So, <laughs> so, being that this is the thirtieth year, you can kind of do the math of how old we were when we watched Mask. Right. For first time and uh, it right. is it is part of the psyche to some degree in fact that's what's kind of projected us here now doing these little podcasts and so forth um, we started this venture out trying to see if we could do a movie script and it kind of went from movie script idea to let's just be a community because there didn't seem to be much of a mask following like there might be for people that liked Transformers or whatever it was in the 80s. And um, Jason and I never would have fathomed to be able to, one, have podcasts or have such a following that we do uh, on top of now being able to, to sit here on Skype and visit with the arch enemy of us, Miles Mayhem, <laughs> uh, as well as eventually your lovely wife, Sharon. Uh, we've joked, and Jason and I have joked that calling her the first lady of mask yes, <laughs> yes
3: right. uh, you're kind of the first family of mask really. really yeah yeah i mean we we had the awesome opportunity uh just back in september we went up to uh this convention in philadelphia retrocon and doug stone actually flew over and was there we got to meet him and we held a little panel for, and you know it was just surreal almost to you know to kind of be there and, and be there essentially for mask and you know we've been hearing over the last year or so that maybe finally hasbro is going to try to to do a comeback or something like that a new series or a new toy line or something uh i guess what's your thoughts on that do you uh do you ever think about uh, another reiteration of mask and
0: and all of that well let me say two things it's always uh-huh. terrible to ask me a question because I always have this long answer uh, <laughs> uh, something that you 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 allude to uh, uh-huh. is that you know here we are and the key word here is here we are mm-hmm. that what you what you guys are doing and and a, a product of all of this, you know, Sharon, I, uh, Doug Stone, everybody, you, is that you have this community. And it's really important um, in the world. Um, You know, the world is made up of community. Um, The world is made up of we, and the world is only worth living in if it's we. The world is not worth living in if it's just me. so that's a product of, uh, you know, what you guys are doing. And and this technology that allows this community to flourish. I'm sure I'd love to do it if they, if they came <laughs> up with another one. I'll be there at 8 a.m. Um, it would be delightful.
3: That's great. Uh, I guess we'll leave you maybe with uh, one more parting question because I know uh, – like Sharon said, you have some other things to do. We won't keep you all line, and we want to, of course, talk to her as well. Of but, course. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about, I guess, the relationships with the other actors. If you've been able to keep up with with Doug and with Mark and uh, Graham over the years, and have you have you connected still?
0: Yes, we, I mean we we retained uh, a relationship um, uh, with Doug. Uh, with Mark, uh, I think we had tea with Mark, oh, maybe six months ago, um, uh, Graham McKenna, uh, I believe he he moved to New York, uh, but we did see him, you know, periodically, but the, the truth is we haven't seen him uh, for several years, uh, but, we, you know, we do continue. Uh, to see Doug, you know, we'll have, uh, uh, he'll come over for uh, dinner, Thanksgiving or something, and uh, and Mark also. Uh, so, uh, y- you know, yes, we, we um, y- you know, we're all busy, as you guys understand, you know, you're busy with your everyday life. Um, uh, you know, I go to an office every day, and uh, sure. uh, so, um,
3: we do, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, we don't see a lot of each other, but we do care about each other. Um, you know, I consider Doug a, a very close personal friend uh, and Mark. Um, so, you, you know, that relationship uh, endures.
3: It just seemed from when we talked with Doug and just looking at uh, – Essentially, your resume and all the actors' resume that Mask was kind of the first big thing as far as uh, animation or or television for all of you. And it just seemed like it's made a lasting impression on everybody and kind of kept you together. I guess that's what I was alluding to. Uh, Kind of a loaded question, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, it, it just has seemed that way. And it just seems like it was a genuine moment for all of you at that point for something like that to, quote-unquote, blow up, you know, at the time
0: in your careers. Absolutely. I mean, it was a shared opportunity, and all of us understood the size of the opportunity. So, I mean, we were, you know, I have to say, in all the recordings, all the sessions, there was never not one moment of conflict. Um, oh, wow. You know, everybody worked hard. People were not being nasty or, or you know, manipulating things behind the scenes to, to get more opportunity than the others. Uh, so in that sense, it it it, it was, it was, it, it had a family sense. You know, and it, and. And I think the the substance of of that relationship uh, during the recording of the series is what why we are still friends today. That's great. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, I guess um, I should uh, recede and <laughs> um, and let uh, Sharon.
3: But uh, Miles Mayhem never surrenders, though.
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you put me in a bit of a quandary. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it, we have the advantage of going we we've we've sequentially gone through the, the series, so we know that uh there was always some conflict between Vanessa Warfield and Miles Mayhem uh in the series, so <laughs> Well
0: <laughs> we
3: won't we won't let you battle it out on the air or
0: anything. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, no, I'm no, I, no, I'm, I'm, i I have to stop. I'm going to, okay. I'm about to reveal things. I, uh, uh, never say what you can't take back. Uh, uh, okay. Well, okay.
3: We, we really appreciate your time. Really thank do. you so much.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure, and and I thank you, and I'm delighted with what you're doing.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank
0: you. Okay. Thank you. I'll go get the boss. <laughs>
1: Hello. Greetings.
0: Hi, Sharon. <laughs> How are you doing?
1: So, Did he give you all the secrets? Do I have anything left to tell you?
3: Uh, well, we got his side of the story, so I guess now it's your turn.
1: <laughs> Could be very different. There he is.
2: Now I've got got you both. Okay, I'm ready when you are. We've titled you really the uh, the First Lady of mask. I'm the only
1: I'm the only lady of masks. So I did I did not only the the, I did I did all the female characters. So that was every single woman and every child except for Scott. I did every child, male, female, whatever. And I did I did all the animals who spoke. I did the animals. I even did the cuckoo clock in one episode. (laughs)
3: Wow,
2: that one one down.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: I had no idea. Mm
1: -hmm. If it's if it speaks and it's not one of the guys, it's it's me.
2: (laughs) Well, we heard uh, we we heard Brennan's side of the story of how you guys met and got into acting. What's uh, what's your side of it?
1: Oh, how we met, Brendan and I. Yes. Or how ah, well, he told you we met doing a play, right? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes, and uh, uh, in that play, I've told him this many times, I was impressed with his acting. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, there's another actor in this play. Because there are a lot of people who work as actors who really don't have any depth. You know, they just they just sort of run over the top. And... Um, My feeling is you need to plumb the depths. You need to get into it and and shape it and then present something finished, a finished product to your audience. And there are so many actors, if you will, who don't bother to do that. And when I bumped into Brendan and saw what he was doing, I I was extremely impressed. And um, so when he asked me to have a cup of tea with him, I had a cup of tea with him and we talked theater. And we talked acting, and we talked shaping, and 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 creating, and and it was. Um, I've told him this. It's like meeting myself.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. For yourself, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like it's like coming out of a forest, right, on one side, and there's somebody coming out of a forest on the other side, and when you see each other, you say, "Oh, that's me. I just happen to be in a different form." But yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds wacky, but that's what I feel. I felt as if I'd met myself.
4: That's great. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And we did, I think, three or four plays together afterwards. Actually, we did, um, the first play we did was called The Hostage. It was at uh, Magnus Theatre Northwest in, uh, in Canada. And after we finished that one, the director asked each of us if we would be interested in doing Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. If you've never seen "Stop the World, I Want to Get Off," you have missed an experience that you need to rectify. It is a, an amazing show. It's a musical, uh, and you're really never off stage. Uh, I think the only time I was off stage was when I died. Um, and it's uh, it's it's just singing and dancing and 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 story. And um, so we said, sure. Uh, I went home to my home for a week, and he studied for a week, so we did that show, and then we went home, I went home to my home in Winnipeg, he went to his home in Toronto, and then um, I got a call from um, Summer Company, uh, they were doing four plays in, uh, in Rep, actually, and um, so I went to this place called uh, Blythe, Ontario, to do uh, four shows in the summer, and when I got there, who was there? <laughs> in the cast so they're an opportunity for us to work with you know do four more shows together he works a little differently from the way I do I, I've been doing this longer because I started when I was about three years old my mother said the first time I was on stage I was three years old and I sang and danced so oh, wow. so it, it's something that I've had in my brain when I was a little kid people would say what do you want to be when you grow up and I would always say I want to be what I am—an actor. That's what I am. I don't. There's no B to it. It's I am that already. I'm just waiting to get big enough that I can start working. So, so it's a little different style. And um, I, I, Brendan will will attack a difficult job and he will he will hammer at it or he'll gnaw at it like a, a dog with a bone. Until he finally gets what he's looking for, and he comes up with these beautiful characterizations that are just, just amazing. Um, I don't do that. I, you know, I also write novels, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, people say, how do you do? You make a, a uh, an outline, or do you have some sort of synopsis? And I say, no, I'm a pantser. And that's a, a term that they use in in the with authors. They say, do you do you write out your, your your outline, or do you just sort of write and whatever comes into your head? And that's doing it by the seat of your pants. And so I act by the seat of my pants, and I write by the seat of my pants. And that's not to say that I don't think about it, because it's in my head all the time. But in actual, in practice of doing it, it seems to just. When you were asking, Brendan, about the characters, about voices to give to them, I looked at, at the pictures because we had pictures from Japan. They did our storyboards for us. And I thought, Pfft, this is obvious. I've got Vanessa. I've got Gloria. I've got a computer. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of kids. I'll worry about the kids later. So the voices were really easy because I think I thought of... Gloria as some sort of a maybe 25-year-old tomboy kind of, kind of girl. And then, you know, Vanessa came ready packed. <laughs> there was no question as to how Vanessa was going to sound or, or what she was like or who she liked or what she would like to do with Matt Tracker or any of the other guys, for that matter. So it, it was relatively easy. The, the slightly difficult part was the, um, the computer because um, I had seen, of course, 2001: uh, um, A Space Odyssey with HAL, that computer, mm-hmm. sure. and I thought I don't want to try to do and and the one on on Star Trek too. Remember the Feeble the Voice? I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to repeat of that. I wanted to be very different. So when I went into the audition, I just I just said, okay, well, this is what I've come up with, and they said, great, fine. Later on, I didn't realize that when you're in the studio, you may have said, you may have had the, the computer voice, here, it was about here that I wanted to talk about, and she's in the, in the other one, run, dun, 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 and she's in her car now. Well, maybe a few minutes later, you had that again, and you forget what pitch you were at. Uh-uh. So then I'd have to say, I'm sorry, could I have playback? Because I'd find myself going higher, maybe up, and I think no, no, playback, playback. So we kept that consistent by having playback every time I had to do the computer, which I found extremely helpful. And perhaps I could have avoided had I given it a little more thought <laughs> before <laughs> I presented it to. Because once I presented it to them, they said, "Good problem solved. Okay, let's get on with something else," you know. And it became my problem how to how to make sure that it was consistent, not their problem. Um, which is the correct way to do it? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm rattling. You would ask me. Something? No, that's oh. fine.
3: <laughs> uh, I guess tell us a little bit about the transition from theater into television and eventually into mask and how that that kind of took place.
1: Um, I never thought of it as a transition. It's like mm-hmm. um, how many how many fingers do I have? I have ten fingers. They all belong to me. I know how to work all of them. So today I'm going to use this finger. Oh, can I also use this finger? Sure. And those are all the skills that you have, you know, that you have. So you just simply move from one room to another room, and they're all there. I was once, that summer that I talked about, there was an actor in the company uh, who, she's become a very very good friend. And I had a scene in there where uh, my son had been lost at sea. Brendan was playing my husband, and my son had been lost at sea. And a light comes up downstage, and a sailor comes in carrying a bundle of clothing. And Brendan goes down and takes the bundle of clothing from him. And that's the information going to the audience that their son is dead. And at that moment, the audience goes, <gasps> like that. But I'm off stage. I don't hear any of that, right? My character's off stage. He calls her on stage, and as soon as she, he calls her name and she comes on stage, She sees that package, and she completely falls apart. And then we sit down stage, and he starts saying the the Lord's Prayer, and I'm weeping, tears falling down my face. This actor came to me, and she said, "How do you do that? How do you do that?" And I thought, "What do you mean? How do I do it? I never thought about how you do it. You just—it's just one of the one of the things you have to be able to do." And I said to her, which I was going to say just a minute ago about having different rooms, is you have, in your psyche, you have all these different rooms. If you need something, what, religious, you go to that room. If you need something that makes you feel happy, you go to that room. If you need a place that will make you weep, you go to that room. And it's there waiting for you. You've had all these experiences. If you're an adult, let's say by the time you're 30, you've had all these experiences. So you just have to be able to to, to, to pull them out of your pocket, you know, like the rabbit out of the hat. You just need to be able to pull right. it up. It's there. But you have to know where it is and know how to get there and do it this fast. And And speaking of shifting from character to character, you know where those characters are. And I'm going to shift from this finger to this. It's easy because I know where they are. And I'm not going to get lost. I know who they are and I know where they are. And I know what they sound like. Cause I made
3: them. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound very easy, yeah. and I guess that's a testament to your career and how you know you're still doing, you know, acting. You've been today. To, you've been you know.
1: to my IMDb.
3: I have, I have, yes. I always, uh, I always like to do a little bit of history before <laughs> I, uh, I talk to people that I am just meeting. That's but,
1: a very clever thing.
3: But no, <laughs> no, I just wanted to say. I mean, it is a testament to that that. I don't think people can just switch that uh, that on and, and go to a different compartment so easily, like you say you're you're able to do. So, uh, but, and that's great.
1: Well, I've heard I've heard some actors whom I admire very much talk about the, the difficulty, but I've also heard, heard them talk about uh, the same sort of the same idea that I have. I taught acting for a number of years at the University of Winnipeg in uh, Manitoba, Canada, and I found that when I I had young people, uh, mostly young second-year students. And some of those second-year students were people who were coming back to school, who were like 40, 50 years old. And when I talked about this particular approach to young people, I was met with these blank stares and open mouths. They had no idea what I, they had no idea. Because they didn't have those places yet. Mm-hmm. The older people would nod. Now, they would have difficulty Going there because a lot of people are are um, self conscious about revealing maybe sides of themselves that are not particularly attractive, but that's the point of an actor. That's that's what we do, um, and and we we relish it. We we take pleasure in it. We take joy in it. We take pride in the fact that we can do, we can do that. Um, and it's a uh, it's it's like having it's like drinking for me. It's like like pouring warm milk over my head it just it just um, I, I, it, it's indescribable <laughs> it's wonderful and I love it and and the stuff I'm doing most recently I actually have a shoot on on uh, yeah what's tomorrow Friday Saturday and Sunday and um, I was saying to Brendan every time I go in for an audition they always are expecting somebody with gray hair. And my father died with no gray hair. My mother died with only the beginnings of gray hair. We just don't get gray hair in my family. So I bought myself a gray wig, and boy, did work pick up! All of a sudden, I mean, I'm just everywhere. I mean, those, those last two, those last two entries you saw on IMDb, those are both. I think one of the one of them is finished, and the other one's in post production. When I went to the table read and didn't have the, the wig, the, the gray wig, everybody said, uh, 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 wait, uh, uh, what? Uh, uh, I said, don't worry. I have, here's the wig. I have the wig. <laughs> so, and that's because everybody has their preconceived notions to see if, what you should look like. Sure. But when you're doing a cartoon series, you can be a panda. I was a panda. I was a cat. If you remember, there was an episode where there were, the, the bad guy was sitting in his chair and he had a cat on his lap.
4: Yes. And he was yeah. petting yes. the
1: cat. That was me. If you go back, you'll hear me meow. <laughs> and there was a cuckoo clock in one. And then there was one where they were visiting pandas in, in China. Um, and they said to me, okay, Sharon, here's your panda. And I said, what a panda sounds like. <laughs> so they said, just make something up. you know. So I'm going, <laughs> because i don't know and they said good cool go on move on <laughs> and as brendan was saying before problem solved let's let's keep moving keep moving right keep right moving. right. because right. we had we had two days a week in the studio and we had four hours and in four hours we could do two episodes so we could do four episodes a week if our um, storyboards came in from japan sometimes they would be late and or we wouldn't get them uh, in time and we'd have to then book another day but it was pretty much four episodes a week so they needed to really then you had two hours to do it so you need to whip on through it and that meant that every actor when it came time to audition for those extra characters that just showed up all of a sudden we know nothing about them all we know is all of a sudden in your hand you've got this script and it's got all these extra characters everybody had to come to it Prepared to audition for other things, so you've got to have a lot of characters. And I, I really admire Doug, because Doug has a lot of characters in his head. Um, he sure does. And he just sort of pulls them out uh, like this. I don't have that many. I have maybe a third of what he has. Um, but he's done a lot of improv, and in in improv, you have to come up with these characters. Right. Um, and so he has has the benefit of that. But it was uh, it was such fun. We had such a good time, um, it's a very pleasant memory of our first few weeks here, that we came here and within two weeks we were working. Um, and and the fact that everybody has enjoyed it so much, and I've, we were looking it up, Googling it before you guys called, and I didn't realize it had been translated into French and German and, and Swahili or whatever yeah. else it's been translated <laughs> into. and. And it's uh, and the the boxed sets are being sold all over the world
2: mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. yeah uh, amazing I didn't know that I thought it had would just die its normal death and it hasn't
2: no it's uh, it's yeah, been it a be really, really of uh, of a franchise um, we've learned just recently that it went to Argentina uh, there yeah. are even toys made of there are certain box sets and Jason can tell you about that as per collector's side of it that you can go to Germany, and there's a German mask type of um, characters and box sets. You can go to Argentina. You can go to uh, other countries, and there's minor – You would call them knockoffs,
3: yeah. But are, they, I mean, are, they still, like, are they like knockoffs,
2: or are they good?
3: Well, they're, they're essentially repainted uh, toys, I think, from America, and they repackaged uh, – gave them a different little paint scheme. Uh, some of the, mainly the toys in Europe were, um, about the same. There was just different box art and, and such, uh-huh. but it was, it was, practically the same, but yeah, I mean, there's, we've seen groups on Facebook from Indonesia, um, you know, just with this podcast, it's been pretty neat. Um, our host gives us some statistics back of what countries and where people listen and download. And there's people that listen in Australia, a lot of people in Europe and of course, uh, united states and canada oh. mainly uh one of our most faithful listeners who's a huge vanessa fan she's from uh norway so it's uh, it, well, it is amazing it's it, it, almost like a silent uh silent franchise worldwide
1: what is her what is okay, her name i think i know her anna anna of course
3: yes she writes yes.
1: to me she writes to me Does yeah <laughs> we yeah, we correspond because she also oh, that's great. she also reads my books uh-huh. so after she reads one of them she says okay what what else and I said go to go to amazon.com all the all the books all three books are there and <laughs> she just recently finished the third one she says okay now what are you writing and I said Anna, I, I'm I, I'm up to my eyeballs it's, it, I just have it I need five or six hours at a stretch to really get deep enough that I can actually make something decent I just yeah. don't have time and she said okay but what kind of ideas are you having <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a couple of ideas. And then she wrote me back and said, yeah, 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 do that one. I want to I see that one. And, and, of course, now I've got her pressing me at my back saying, to write something else, write something else. She's neat. She's a neat lady. I like her.
3: Yeah. It sounds like she's a real motivator. She is. I, she, she, uh, we... We have a small uh, email list that we send out questions to. Of course, she's part of that, and I'm surprised she even wrote a question in because it sounds like you you students practically know each other.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, um, do. because we we've been ta- we've been talking back and forth for, gee, it's got a couple of years, I right know. I think it. Yeah. Wow.
3: yeah, she was one of the early early adapters of our our website and our show, and she's very faithful each time we we do an episode review we ask people to kind of leave their own review and, and rate it one to five how what they thought of it and i all but maybe one or two she's always always there with her take and and uh she's real knowledgeable about the mask series
1: and uh, she's thoughtful she's
3: thoughtful very thoughtful yeah yes.
1: she's just not stuff that's just off the off the bat she's very thoughtful so tell me what is your favorite episode
3: Wow. Well, I can tell you what's not my favorite episode. Okay. <laughs> tell me that. And, and that would be why I can uh, can tell you about this. That would be the panda episode.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Um, there was, and, you know, it's it's easy for us now to critique it, because uh, we're looking at it through different eyes than we did when we were eight or nine years yeah. old, you know. Um, and there's some episodes the animation was better than others. Um, and the sound effects seem to have changed throughout as well, which is there's kind of no consistency with that, so that that kind of bugs me. But for some reason, the the, the Panda Power episode was uh, not one that I <laughs> that I enjoyed um, that much. I, I think one of our favorites uh, from the beginning was uh, the Rotex, where they they have these bugs that they have to find and uh, mayhem is trying to unleash them and they eat all of the mask vehicles and such and it was the first point where we got a true um uh reality i guess of the mask vehicles. we see matt tracker's baby the the thunderhawk camaro totally destroyed i mean he crash lands there's doors flying off you know and he's kind of trapped in there and mayhem comes up to finish him once from for all you know and that was really the first time that we you know we saw that uh, realism about the show where it's not just lasers shooting overhand you know the kind of the a-team style yes, of exactly. show from the mm-hmm. 80s mm-hmm. where nobody got hurt mm-hmm. and, um, but I, that's one that i really uh, enjoy another one well i'm, I'm skipping ahead because the next one we're going to do is when um when Miles Mayhem has this uh, crystal skull and he can actually see Matt Tracker's identity, um, and we're finally getting into some other elements of the series that we haven't gotten in the first thirty, you know, some odd episodes where they kind of know each other and, and things like that. And like Wyatt mentioned to Brendan, we actually wrote a movie script. Yes, I know uh, for like a yeah. for like a live action movie, and that's more kind of our universe our world that we created was they know each other there's a history there and and really mask didn't have an origin story but just in the comics and i kind of wish that there would have been uh you know four or five episodes to start you know to see how it all began and otherwise just mask and venom are there and we don't know why they're fighting each other other than one side's obviously good and one side's obviously evil
1: that's all i don't know
3: i kind of like that
1: we didn't know any more than that,
3: right? I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we didn't particularly so. care. We said, "Okay, I got it. I'm going to go with it." Yeah. And then you, and what you do is, as you move along, uh, as we were moving along, I realized one one day, just it just hit me all of a sudden. One day, we were in the studio, and I realized that Vanessa had evolved. That she had, and I think, mm-hmm. well, how did she evolve? And I don't know, but I felt she was deeper. That she was a richer character. Just in just suddenly came to me. And I thought, well, you've been doing her for so long. I and mean, there's 75 episodes. Sure, sure. Uh, you've been doing her so long that you know her better now. You can present her, maybe not as a better or worse person, but in, as a fuller character uh, than she was. Um, and she was more easily known than Gloria. Gloria seemed to be, uh, I won't call her one-dimensional, but certainly not multi-dimensional and I thought that, that possibly Vanessa had um, had hidden depths that we didn't plumb. And I sometimes I got the impression that she had a thing for Miles Mayhem, and sometimes I I was sure mm-hmm. she had a thing for Matt Tracker. And from time to time with Brad, I mean, she there's some mm-hmm. stuff there with Brad. Uh, I mean, Brad's a cute fella. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. And you should have seen great You should you should see, see Grey McKenna, who who was his voice. He's gorgeous. Just gorgeous, lots of dark hair and great face. He and he, by the way, I'm not where, sure where he's living now, but he's on Facebook. With he's on my Facebook. Um, if you would like, I'll send him a note asking if he'd be interested in doing one of these because he can te- he can tell you all the problems he had getting the robot going.
3: And we've heard now from oh. Doug that that was a struggle.
1: Oh, the T-Bob episode, it, it goes on and on and on. And he, he felt he was in danger a while there of losing that role because they just couldn't decide what they wanted. And I thought he did a beautiful job with it, you know, uh,
2: yeah. considering
1: right.
2: it's... Go ahead. We, yeah. we attest when we did our episode reviews that there was, especially early on, T-Bob seemed to have a voice change periodically before he, mm-hmm. they landed on Yeah, the we now know. And like yeah. you were Earlier about Vanessa I have noticed in the episodes going back now as a kid I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it mm-hmm. uh, going through it now uh, probably part of it is the script but you see that there's more of a kind of like a brother sister sibling rivalry going on uh, with Rax specifically but they're always yes. picking at each other Steve right. gives Miles uh, uh, a couple comments off, off and on you know, uh, for whatever reason, just to, just to spur it on where before it wasn't, it was just more, I'm going to give you a taste of whip and that right. would be the extent yeah. of really the characters uh, uh, evolution, so to speak.
1: If they will give you even one line that you can grab onto that will help the character evolve, character to evolve. And you can't keep, uh, in 75 episodes, you don't want to keep the same level all the time. I mean, right. even though it's even though it's for kids, the kids are not stupid, you know. Sure. They, they recognize something that has quality and something that doesn't have quality. So, uh, I think anyway, um, my kids did, because <laughs> my <laughs> kids are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Most beautiful kids in the whole world, uh, of course. But it was um, it was an experience. Also, have you spoken to um, to Mark Halloran?
3: I have. Uh chatted with him a little bit on facebook and we're trying to set up a, a, a chat with him as well so yeah, we is, definitely want his take. he's
1: amazing he is amazing we saw his show at the comedy store um some years ago and he's the only person i've ever seen do an impression of william hurt <laughs> hmm. how do you do william hurt i i right. but it was i recognize it as william hurt he's uh um, he doesn't do all the obvious ones. He does do Woody Allen, but he he does he did he did does William Shatner. How do you do William Shatner? And he does. So um, when we went in, he just had this whole basket of voices
4: sure.
1: that he could. And I thought that's not fair. <laughs> he's, he's already got them. I got to work to get them. And he, he just, he's got this basket filled with polished. He was he was a winner on Star Search.
2: Wow. Oh, wow, I yeah. didn't know that. You yeah. have to look for him now and post it well, on.
1: Just, just go <laughs> go to go to um YouTube and type in uh-huh. Mark Halloran Star Search and you'll see you'll see his act and then you'll see him win and he, he doesn't, nice. know to, doesn't know what to know to do with himself. They said the winner is Mark Halloran. And he's sort of going, Oh, that's it's me. Oh, <laughs> oh, all right, it goes over. Um but yeah, that's he had just done that. It had been like a uh, like a month or so that he before that he had done it. Uh, and then we started shooting, and so he just pulling all these voices out of out of his ears, <laughs> and um, and it, what it did with the rest of us is it prompted us to work a little harder uh, sure. to come up with. So I I like that. Always work with somebody who can make you better, you know. Sure.
4: Somebody yeah. Somebody
1: who can pull you down. So uh, that's what attracted me to Brendan. I thought working with him it will make me better. More will be demanded of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's life, isn't it? It's you want to want to get better whenever you can. So, um, so about
2: your uh, novels, what um, I guess what prompted you or motivated you to to get into no, romance novels to, to write that It was just a spark idea, and you just had to put it on paper. Or it's it's going it's going to sound.
1: I'll, this is going to sound as if I'm being coy. I'm not. This is the absolute God's truth. I was we were in Canada, and I was temping for uh, a lawyer, and she had no work to do, nothing. So she's sitting in her office twiddling her thumbs, looking out the window, uh, and I'm sitting at my desk out front with nothing to do. So I'm thinking, well, how did you board out of my mind? What am I going to do with myself? Oh, well, oh, puts on, on here? And in my head, I heard a female voice say, but madam, why does it have to be me? I thought, okay, but madam, why does it have to be me? Whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And then another older voice said, because you're my best seamstress and because Estrella, or Estrella is my very dearest friend and I want this wedding to be perfect. And then I thought, what is this all about? I had discovered that whoever spoke first was a seamstress and there's something about a wedding and it just sparked an interest and it just started coming like that and i just started writing wow. it i mean i and i feel silly when i say this i remember when i was writing this particular that particular one and i was upstairs and brendan said you're going to come down for lunch and i said oh okay but i have to hurry because um i don't want to miss the movie and I came down and I had really fast sandwiches. He said, you're going to stay down. I said, no, I've got to go back because I'm watching the movie. And he said, what movie? I said, the movie in my head. I have to watch it so I can write it down because they may start talking and I won't get a chance to write it down. And all I did was I watched what they were doing and I wrote what they were doing. And then I heard what they said and I wrote what they said. And I know that sounds as though I'm a lunatic, but that's how I write. And then when it comes to an end, I'm done. So if they say, well, can you make it a little longer? I think, well, I don't know. I have to stir these people up and see if they'll do anything else because their resolution is already done. Um, and why it was a romance novel, I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. It, that's just what came into my head. Um, and since it was, I was successful in selling it to a publisher, I thought, well, let's see if I could do another one here. So... Uh, I took a story that was sort of a, a kickoff from when my mother went back to, to college after um, all of her children had finished, and she was fifty, fifty-five 55 years old, I think. And I wrote a book about a young younger woman than that. She was turning 50, and she had lost her husband, and she went back to school, and what happened to her there at the university. Um, and that one was successful as well, so I thought, well, will try another one. And as long as they keep coming into my head with the first line, I can continue to write. But for the past three years, nothing has come into my Usually it happens that I'm walking the dogs or I'm driving somewhere. I'll just I'll just hear something.
3: Mowing the grass on this. Mowing end. the grass. <laughs> 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 I get so many ideas mowing the grass. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's, I, think that's it's, me.
2: I, I think it takes me double the time to mow <laughs> my lawn because I have an idea. Yes. Like I won't get with the times. I still have my own uh flip I and my this is my memo pad. I sit there and literally text myself an email. It'll be just three or four words. And that'll Did be the line. and Jason I'm sure does something similar to that because if I don't type it or write it down, hmm? it I've already lost it. It's gone forever. Oh, uh, well, there's no up in here anymore.
1: Wait but, wait until you get to be the age that we are. You have to say, we say to each other, I'll say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to say this before I forget it. And if I don't say it right now, it will be gone because in a millisecond, it's gone. And sometimes the the other person on the other end will say, okay, well, but so-and-so-and-so and 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 then they'll say, now, what did you want to say? And I say, I have no idea. It has to be, when it hits my head, I have to say it because it won't stay. And, And at night, I, that's when a lot of ideas come at night and I have a, you know these these pencils that you write on china with. You can write on you can write yeah. on glass with them. You know they write those yeah. red things. I have those, and I get up during the night, and since I don't want to turn the light on to wake Brendan up, I write on the mirror with that pencil <laughs> with that pen. The, the yeah, I'm not kidding, and I know that the next morning I'm going to see it, and then I will remember it. Well,
2: I'm but sure it's a, trying to figure out what what ghost walked into our room last night? <laughs> yeah
4: well, the murder he, mystery. Yeah. yeah
1: but he, yeah. well he doesn't he doesn't use my bathroom he, he has a bathroom on the other, around the hall on the other side so um when I walk in in the morning I'm saying oh thank you thank you Sharon for doing me this favor and writing it last night because I would never have remembered it and and sometimes it's things just like a name and uh, the name of a character will come and I don't want to forget it because it's, it'll be really, these are really crucial. The names are really crucial for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah, I think this whole, what we're talking about here, it it becomes very Zen. You know, your, your, your mind is open because you're not thinking about anything. You're mowing the lawn. And that is something which is, which is almost trance inducing.
4: Right.
1: So it opens up your mind for all this stuff to come in. And the funny thing is that all that stuff is there. And you say, where did that come from? And it came from, because you have probably probably millions of ideas. But they just need that Zen moment to express themselves.
2: And I can say that because I, some time ago, I wrote a book. Uh, and it's still have been in the works for I don't know how many years. Um, I th- keep thinking it's done. And I keep having a friend pr- pr- or two look at it. And they're like, where's the, uh, where's the detail? Or where's this? Or where's that? And I'm like, well, I'm done. I don't know about any other. I've had, but I'm done.
3: Sorry, I didn't mean to do that.
2: <laughs> but um, it's not just Jason, But uh, I, because you're on that topic of the novel, how did you? Did you just kind of here? I'm done with the book after you were done and say, here's here it is. And the publisher said, yeah, that's great. And that's what I want. Or sounds like it will be a seller. Or uh, really. Much process work, because uh, mask aside, I know that we're going a whole different rabbit trail like we di- typically do, Jace. <laughs>
4: <You're> right.
2: <laughs> I'm interested, because That's I've been,
4: yeah, sure. I've
2: had this idea, like I said, I don't, it has to be going on for... Uh, being military, I go from assigned, assignment to assignment, not years. It's probably been 12 <laughs> years I've had this book, so-called, done. Uh-huh. Added little things to it, but it hasn't really grown to a point where it's um, I don't know I'm not adding 100 pages to it I'm adding maybe a page or two if I'm lucky I'm at 100 and I don't know 150 I think right now
1: Um, I write scene by scene Um, uh, I write write a scene and when it comes to its conclusion I'm done and then I leave I leave the computer because that's now done and then I go back the next day or so and I read that scene again as if it's somebody else's book and I say, does that interest you enough that you'd want to continue reading? I And and I never send anything into a publisher that I haven't gone over with a fine-tooth comb. Um, I write it, and then I read it. And then, inevitably, I make changes. And after I've made the changes, then I read it. But not right away. Wait a day or so. Um, funnily enough, I, I was scheduled for a... For a, uh, a book signing at the Burbank Library for a Saturday, but it conflicts with this shoot. Uh, so mm-hmm. I had to cancel it. Uh, and I would love to have gone and done this because I, that's one of the things that people always ask you know, how do you put this together? Um, but I, I come from a I I I teach English. Um, I was teaching, also teaching English at the uh, University of Winnipeg and at Red River Community College, and I te- teach English as a second language uh, now, have been doing that for about 10 years here um, at the Beverly Hills Lingual Institute. So, first of all, my grammar is perfect. Um, and so that I don't have to worry about. So right. then, then I have to worry about, is, it, does, is this the kind of thing that would draw me in as a reader? And if it doesn't, then I have to rewrite it. And I have a couple of times yeah, I'm sure everybody does this. I'll bet you have to. I think I'm finished and I think, oh, I know what I should have done. <laughs> now, sometimes it's already gone to, the, gone to press and it's too late or maybe it's not. If, it, if it's not, you can go back. and I did that, went back and put another scene in that explained all, a lot of stuff. Um, I think the first thing that you want to want to do is does your subject interest you? And would you read it if you were to buy it and would you read it would you like it well enough that you would buy it and read it i from time to time i go into the library and i pull down one of my books and i start to read it and i think damn this is good i didn't and then i think i can't write this anymore i, I don't know who, who was i who wrote this where did i get all this from because if i sat down today i wouldn't know how to do it well of course i would right but you really never know when you're done. If you're writing, if you're writing to order, I mean, the, the, the books that I write, uh, they ask for 55,000, no less than 55,000 words, and no more than 60. So, somewhere between there, uh, it's what they want. If you write over that, they say it's, it's not our thing, send it somewhere else. So, know your market
4: mm-hmm. and know
1: how many pages you have to write, and then overwrite. Because what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to trim, and if you don't overwrite, you've got no fat to trim. And trust yourself. The biggest thing is trust yourself. But if you're writing about something that you love, and you're actually in the process of writing, you should whip. You should whip along. I mean, you should be writing a, 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 not a chapter a day. That's too much. Uh, well, some people do. I don't. I don't. Um, but certainly a scene a day, right, and then right. then let it cook a little while, and then know who to send it to. Know who to send it to. Just make sure that you go go online and Google lists of the, the kinds of um, publishers who publish what you're writing. And first of all, know what you're writing. Right. You yeah. know, you, you, might, you might have a book about a woman who loves flowers and you go into great detail about how she plants and how her arbor looks and everything. And yet it, the book has nothing to do with plants it just happens that she likes all these plants and somebody reads it and says, well, what's with all the plants? Can you get on with the story? Move on with the story. And, um, and if it's fiction, k- keep the story moving. Keep it moving. And, and lo- um, this I learned the hard way. Lots of dialogue, not much exposition because they say people will skip over the exposition to get to the dialogue.
4: <clears throat>
1: and of course, in my books... Um, if a man picks it up, I mean, women will read it. They read it all the way through, and, and, and they're, they're caught up in it. But every man who's picked up, like friends of ours who pick up one of my books, they pick up the book, and they go, Oh, wow. Oh, my. You can't. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 Oh, my goodness. That, so they're just skipping to the hot parts.
4: Yeah.
1: Right? So they're not even getting any of the story. They don't know what, 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 the depth of the story. And one of the things that the very first uh, publisher said to me, she said, this is not really a romance novel. This is a cross between a romance novel and women's fiction, which is a, a, a level up from from rom- romance writers are, are, are not the most respected writers. They, they say, call us trash writers. but <laughs> right, But right. romance novels outsell any other genre have always have um every december the report comes out and we're just we're way ahead of everybody else and that's because there are so many women who read them but um all i can do is wish you great luck with it but but make sure it's a project you love if you don't love it then you're probably wasting your time with it you know when i was writing i couldn't wait to get back to the computer just couldn't wait every day get in there Because you want to know, what what I was thinking is, I want to see what happened while I wasn't there, which is stupid,
2: (laughs) That's that's actually what it was like for me early on. I couldn't wait to to write it. I'm just now at a, I think it's closed. Um, I hadn't looked at it for probably two years and went over it. And I I added little tidbits, grammatical stuff sometimes. And then I'm, in fact, I have Jason during his busy schedule to kind of peruse it um you know as a kind of a that's that's the last one I'm look letting look at it before I figure out is it publish worthy or is it one of these where uh, hey uh if you want to read it great if not i understand type of uh scenarios
1: but remember this too too many cooks spoil the broth true this is your project and maybe if maybe Jason reads it and he's and he's thinking, I well, this is not what I would have written. Well, he didn't write it. You wrote it, right? right? So I've never, I've never shown my work in progress to anybody, except my daughters, my two daughters.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I showed it to them to say, is this working? Is this doing what I think it's doing? And they make really cogent remarks, very, very fine, detailed remarks, and uh, they've been very helpful. Um, I have used my son because I have, because I, I write by the seat of my pants, I've written myself into a corner so many times with no way to get out. Simply, um, I've got a, a, a character who's, who's having tea and, 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 and chatting. Uh, and this is a character that I killed uh, back two chapters before. I forgot that I'd already killed her. <laughs> so right so ah mistake now what do i do now what do i do so what i do in those situations is i invite my son to go to brunch just the two of us and then i s- present him with my dilemma and he always says oh well what you could do and he always has three answers and they're all doable but that's the only thing i don't ask him what do you think about the script i don't care what anybody thinks about the script i care what i think about the script And I don't care if if a uh, publisher doesn't like it. I like it. And I've been fortunate enough to find publishers who like what I like and who like what I do. Not everybody does. Not everybody does. The first person I sent it to uh, uh, said, I love your concept, but you're starting in the wrong place. And I didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, (laughs) this This is good for you, Wyatt. I wrote her back, I said, I don't know what you're, I'm sorry, I'm brand new to this. What are you talking about? She said, you want to do a cold opening? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what a cold opening is. Could you help me out here? And she said, yes, she said, cut out the first three chapters, just throw them away. And I thought, I sweated blood over those three chapters. I delved into my psyche. I wrote beautiful, there's beautiful stuff there. And she's we're all doing this by computer, right? And she went me back and said, "Yes, of course, throw them away, or mm-hmm. if you want to save them and put them in as as flashbacks somewhere in bits and pieces, you can do that." But she said, "You want to you want to jump in in the middle of the action? Is this fiction you're writing?" What? Yes. Yes. Okay. You want to jump in in the middle of action, just like the new James Bond films? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The very first thing you see is not where he's in his coat saying "Bond, James Bond." It's where he's fighting somebody, right in the middle of the action. So she said, "Do that." I, I, I did it. I said, to, I said to Brendan, oh, I can't." Do it. He says, "Do it." So I did it. Sent it back out. It was published.
2: Nice. That's great. So,
1: so now what I do is I cut out the first three chapters in my head before I ever start writing and you'd be amazed and also remember also point of view that was one of the big things that they were on my case about was point of view um how, whose point of view are you writing from which what's one of your character's point of view right 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 so they say don't have too many points of view because you got they call it head hopping they say that you're the the reader's going who's talking oh who's uh, all right who am i who am i supposed to identify with you need to somebody that they have to identify with um My son and I like to read the Jack Reacher novels. And so it's always through Jack Reacher. We're always, we are Jack Reacher. We are not any of the other people. So when you have too many, too many points of view, not that they're speaking, but that they say, oh, he thought, he looked at her and he thought, blah, blah, blah. How do we know what he thought? We are the woman. Or if we're the man, (laughs) we, we can be the man. You can tell the story from the male point of view, but you can't then tell what the woman's thinking, because it's you are the man. The, the exception to that, and you can do this in your novels too, Wyatt, is if you want to change the POV, then you, put, you, 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 you finish your last line of whoever's talking and thinking, and then you put um, three asterisks, and then you start from the other POV, and you can do that, as long as it's marked in the script where the POV changes. Um, I, it took me a year to learn that. They kept saying, you're head hopping, you're head hopping, head hopping. And I thought, I like it that way. I like to know what other people are thinking, but they said, the readers don't. So uh, just keep that in the back of your head. That may give you a little boost in what you're doing. I don't know. Um, it might. But, but these are things that, that they <laughs> yeah, just don't, yeah. they don't tell you. Nobody right. tells you. Right. So when you learn it. It becomes it's a hard lesson to learn because it takes a while for you to actually finally accede to it but once you do it's like saying I, I give up what do you need me to do they tell you and you say fine I do it and and the, and I would say don't show it to anybody don't show it to Jason don't show it to your sister don't show it to your wife don't show it to anybody. They didn't write it you wrote it. They would have written it diff- if they had done the same novel it would have been different
3: right right. And I, I have a different writing style than him. Yeah, you know, so, of course. Yeah. And we all do. It's it's interesting the way we, uh, you know, we started our our mass script as kind of a, a way to keep in touch. Gosh, eight years ago now. Is it? Why?
2: <laughs> like that. He
3: he was stationed in Idaho, and I was living here in the south, and it was just a way to you know we would write, we would come up with ideas. He would pick it up, put it down. I would pick it up, put it down. So there's, I can even when I go back now to the script, see the different styles. So it just makes sense what you're saying that you write, you're writing for you. You know, (laughs) don't let too many other influences into what you're trying to express. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it was funny uh, what Brendan said about. talking about uh, going to your old house and, you know, what are these people doing in my house? And I had that experience, that same experience last summer, and it kind of made me want to write a little memoir about my uh, childhood adventures, you know? Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And uh, I sent that over to Wyatt thinking, is he, (laughs) you know, you want, you want, I guess, kind of somebody that you trust to, to read, what you're uh what you've wrote but at the same time you know like you're saying how much how much input should you take from from somebody else so i mean you've given us a a a a whole class here on (laughs) on writing which is great no and and, you know maybe we'll start maybe we'll start charging for these podcasts (laughs) uh (laughs) but i no, that was i i really appreciate you know everything that you've you've said and i know why as as well um as far as the writing aspects and stuff because it is you, for somebody like us that we're not trying to do it as a career and obviously you probably weren't thinking of, of that no. when you first started mm-hmm. you know getting those voices in your head oh, about writing it down. Uh, yeah um
1: i remember it, uh, beethoven said that the reason he Wrote so much. Wrote the music. Is he had to get it out of his head? It was driving him crazy because it was there and he had to get it out of his head. So yeah. that's sort of what I was going through. Is I had to get it out of my head and onto paper. But but I'm sorry. One one more thing. I just thought of uh, sure. it, it, it. It it I have three different publishers because each book is by a di- is published by a different publisher. And I, I wanted to get a, an idea of how each one of them works so I can decide which one I would like to focus on, um, and. Consistently, I kept getting from the editors the same uh, little sheets of paper saying, "Look at these are our these are our rules." And they would say, "Too many adjectives, too many adverbs, too many uses of the word fine." Um, and what they were saying was, it took me a while to twig to it. Is if you say, "Okay," he says, "He says, shut your stupid mouth," he said angrily. You don't have to say angrily. Shut your stupid mouth. Tells us that he's angry. So don't don't deliver it. Don't spoon feed it to them. Um, mm-hmm. If your writing is good enough, the the writing itself, the the, the dialogue itself, will tell you. Uh, if she if she says, and, and I do this too you can you can control the speed at which the reader reads your material and that is if you want someone to say oh 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 stop doing that i don't like it and the other person says oh gee i'm sorry i didn't realize that i was bothering you now i have all those pauses in there when i speak it how do you show that when you write it dot 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 and then pick it up again Dot 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 or uh, an M dash uh, sometimes. And I, ha- I went on, I got a- in a quarrel with my first uh, editor because she would say, You, 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 you both put all these, these dot 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 things, and she said, Just close them up. And I wrote her back and I said, No, I'm controlling the speed at which my, my reader reads it. I don't want him to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that it was bothering you. I want him to say, oh, and he's thinking, oh, I'm sorry, the same way you would if you were talking, right? Sure. So she wrote me back and said, well, that's not, that's, I wouldn't do it that way. And I wrote back and said, you're not doing it. It's my voice. It's not your voice. You don't write the way I do. And she wrote me back and said, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Of course you're right. It's yours, your voice that's writing it. So think about that, too, that if you if you want, you can speed it up, you can slow it down. It's all how you place it on the page, um, if, if, if you have characters speaking. Sorry. I'm sorry, Jason, but that I, that occurred to me. <laughs> that's,
2: that's fine. Great, that's fine. Great information, and just a, a slight background on us, why we trust each other. We've known each other since the fourth grade.
1: Oh, uh, my goodness. Uh,
2: we are basically brothers. We call each other brothers uh, so that's just a little background for you. That's why we talk so much. Um, like you said, the starting, the, the script idea was a way to better our, our communication. Um, but we had always talked through the years, uh, in some form or fashion. Uh, so when we're, you know, he's giving me his memoirs, I gave him my, my book. It's, we trust each other enough that despite the writing styles, we would understand, that you know, uh, Jason say would say, you know, you need to cut this line out, or this is just, where are you going with this, and vice mm-hmm. versa. So um, uh, just, that's just an example of background on, on us for you. I know mo- many of the listeners know us by now that we've been around for a while, but uh, just so you can kind of figure out where we're at.
1: Well, I'm just thrilled that we have mask fans out there who are still, still mask fans. I sort of thought that the whole thing would would die a quiet quiet death as you guys grew up, but I'm amazed to find that there's so many. There is yeah. a there is a fellow I've forgotten his name, uh, Williams something William, Williams. He he's a he's a cardiac specialist at a children's hospital in London. And he says he still has the toys, and his children play with the toys, and I said to Brendan this is an educated man. <laughs> and he still has his mask toys. So I guess he did something right.
2: Well,
3: Guilty as charged.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if my camera will pick it up, but a few back Oh, I
3: see. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, I have to give credit to Jason. The only one I ever had was the little Condor motorbike. Yeah. And, um, on Christmases or random birthdays, he'll, find something on ebay and And (laughs) um but it's it's
3: it was it's truly been fun i you know once we started this podcast i was like well i gotta at least have you know matt tracker's vehicle and then uh oh well these couple here on ebay aren't too bad let me get those and then it just i be i I essentially became a masked toy dealer on ebay for about two years and (laughs) i just went overboard with it but and now it's fun because I, I'm in a house where I don't have like a man cave to you yeah. know, display all these or whatever, and I have two sons, and I've I've been able to introduce them to the the series, and then and now it's like, uh, Daddy, can we get some mask toys down to play with? And I, we see this too on Facebook. Uh, we posted a couple of pictures this week of uh, of uh, the dads, you know, passing along to their sons and. Uh, I don't know. It, there's just something about it that has lasted, um, and you know, like we were talking with Brendan about the camaraderie of of the actors, just seemed yeah. to have transitioned into. We're friends. Uh, the fans. Uh, yeah,
1: we've been we've been pretty close friends now all these years. We still we still have lunch. We still uh, invite them oh, from from time to time. Uh, Mark lives way 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 across town, <laughs> and um, Doug lives way 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 across town because in 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 L.A. everything is two hours away. Right, so right. you can't just say, "Well, I'll meet you at the cafe in fifteen minutes." Doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> But the only one who actually has disappeared and we don't know quite where he is is uh, Graham, and of course uh, Brennan Thicke is a big grown man now, and right, right. I don't know I don't know where he's disappeared to either. So those two we we really didn't keep in touch with, but the rest of us pretty much hang together, um, and That's really cool. and really en- enjoy each other, you know, and 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 inevitably Mark will start doing some of his impressions, and he <laughs> he does an impression of of. Um, Miles Mayhem, that is... <laughs> Brendan doesn't think so, but it's, it's very good. Very good. And it's, uh, it's sort of a touch... One of our touchstones is one of the early ones where I forgot... It was it was the one about Magma Mole. Remember uh-huh. Magma Mole? And yeah, he sure. says, and the, pro- the price has gone up. Yeah, now uh-huh. I want $6 million. <laughs> Every single time I see Mark, I swear to you, he will say oh, it's Vanessa. Well, the price has gone up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And if we happen that's to be great. out somewhere at a coffee shop or something, people think we've lost our minds, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He can do it. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh,
3: that's, Go well, ahead. That's great. It's It's fun to hear those little stories and stuff, and we've uh, got the pleasure of, of speaking with Doug and, and interacting, you know, with him in person there that uh, back in September at this uh, convention up in Philadelphia. Oh, that yes, he told
1: treat. us about that, yeah.
3: Oh, it was a real treat uh, just to hear his story as well and for him to do some of the voices. And it, it, it's when we initially interviewed him and we're hearing the voices, you know, and we're smiling ear to ear Yeah. and then – to be at the convention at the same table as him and he's doing the voices and you can look it out in the crowd and see the smiles. I mean, it's, it's a neat experience, uh, that we, we got to uh, have there, but, um, let me just throw a couple more questions at you and we'll let you go. Uh, you've, uh, (laughs) <laughs> more than filled your time oh, tonight okay. really appreciate it um yeah,
1: well you can you brilliant. can you. you can cut and slash as much as you want
3: <laughs> well that's the beauty of uh of digital recording you know we can just turn it on and let it loose and you know if we want to do some editing we will uh you yeah. know I, I think it's been great points to, uh, mm-hmm. especially I, with the novels and, and I,
1: everything. I did i did a lot of voice work in uh, canada uh, commercials, you know, voiceover for commercials, and and then then um, dubbing foreign films into English, uh, blah 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 blah. And one of the things that was always so difficult—you just have to finally finally reach a point where you can do it—is that you'll have, let's like, say, on a commercial, you'll have um, you'll have the voice saying, you know, you should buy your donuts here because they're fresh and 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 juicy and tasty, and then music plays. And then you have what they call a donut. And that's a little space of time. Maybe you may have 12 seconds that you have to put this piece of dialogue, drop it into that hole before the music starts again because you have no control over it. And so you just have to learn, And but you can't read fast. You have to learn to make it sound slow by stretching your vowels, but closing those words up tight together. It's a real technique. And I was thrilled when digital recording came in because now I can say... You fix it. <laughs> it's not my problem anymore.
4: Right, right.
1: Oh, I'm I'm two seconds long. Mush it together. Yeah, I'm short. Stretch it out. But it's not my problem anymore. So I love it. So I love it. So I'm sorry. What other questions would you like to ask me?
3: Um, just a couple from our listeners. We wanted to get out there just to appease them. Of course, uh, one of them was Anna from uh, Norway, uh-huh. and she asked. Who do you think is the best role model for women, Gloria or Vanessa, considering the fact that Gloria is a hero and Vanessa is the villain? Um,
1: I think I think she would probably agree with me on this. We know more about Vanessa than we do about Gloria. We have scant information on Gloria. All we know is that she's one of the good guys, and she's capable, and she's bright, and I think if her is, as I said, about 25 years, like a... Just like a college girl, uh, but sort of a tomboyish thing. Um, I think that Vanessa is a better role model because Vanessa, Vanessa, in my mind, drives her own life. One day she may get in an argument with Miles Mayhem and say, "Up your nose, I'm out of here," or she may kill him and take over. <laughs> you know, she could do that. Uh, I wouldn't put it past her. And I think that's a woman who who who. Um, who lives her life her way. Otherwise, if she didn't, she'd be at home with an apron, you know, having babies with, with some nerdy guy who goes to the bank every day. Um, but she doesn't. So she determines her own destiny, her own life, her own future. Um, I don't know that Gloria does it. Maybe she does, but I have no information to guide me on that. And we never got any, any, we really didn't right. get any background on these characters. We had to sort of make it up as you go along. So I'd say Glo- uh, Gloria, definitely. No, I would say Vanessa. Definitely. Yes.
3: I've, I've always found it funny that, um, you know, they built up Gloria so much. She's got this, uh, background in jujitsu or whatever oh, yeah. it was. We never see it. She ne- we never see That's it right. in the series. Right. So we don't see her that, right. you know, kind of kick-butt attitude. It's more, you know, like you say, uh, they need her help, she's going to be there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not, yeah. Yeah, She's kind of guided by what (laughs) Matt said. Yeah.
2: Bill Ferris, one of our other good friends. uh,
1: Yes, I know Bill, yeah.
2: Yeah, he hosts uh, matttracker.com. He says, uh, here he asked the question, would there be something you would have liked to have changed about the characters that you voiced?
1: Uh as I think, off the top of my head, no. Uh, I think, perhaps, if if you're talking about more information about them, so that I could flesh them out a little bit more, um, I'm not sure that, that would have. If, if we had done that, we would have had to be extremely consistent. Mm-hmm. And we were not always consistent, and it provided more interesting plot lines. So I think not having fully fleshed out characters was a benefit at the time. And maybe that's why they didn't give us any more information on, and they, and you're right, and they never showed her doing any of the skills that they, that, she's, that she supposedly had. And I've had people say, oh, was, was she in love with Matt? And I thought, never occurred to me. I never saw anything. <laughs> um, had I, had they told us something, I could have put that into, that it could have gone in little nuances and, and would have been interesting, but not for kids, right? I mean, right, as adults, right, you'd right. say, sure. yeah, that'd be interesting, but not for kids. Kids would be saying Whoa, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" <laughs> They're kissing. Oh. Ooh, ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've
3: you've almost answered the next question um, from Eric, who is actually the host of Boulderhill.net, um, and he's just basically asking: uh, Was there any hints of the romantic relationship between uh, like Vanessa and Brad? Or even Gloria and Matt, we've kind of noticed this too as we're going. I, we, it was a long-running joke for a while that, you know, Gloria and Matt had this secret fling on the side because every once in a while they'd be on vacation together, or um, Scott would be, you know, with Matt and want to write a postcard back to Gloria, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you know, she's kind of the motherly role, but there was never anything really explained about that. So I guess his question is more. It, did that uh, kind of evolve from you or nope. did the writers have anything to do with that? It was all the writers, all okay. the writers.
1: And we never, uh, in, in terms of interpretation, we never dropped any of that into our vocal but uh, uh, um, uh, performances, performances. Yeah. thank you, yeah. Um, because lacking that information, it would have been inappropriate for us to try to inject anything. Right. I mean, it would have made it more interesting for us, but it would have been, you know, you have to keep it really... Those were designed for for boys and girls, but primarily boys who were like you know six, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe Um, maybe not more than maybe eleven. I'm not sure, but it was more that six, seven, eight, nine uh, group, and they don't like girls. So the we were told by Marcia Goodman, who was our director, producer, and director, that the only reason that there were women in this is to attract little girls because they said girls will watch something that has girls and boys. Boys will watch something that only has boys. They don't want to watch girls. So we're only putting these girls in to pull in the girl viewers. So they have no um, no effect whatsoever on the boys who are watching. They're co- totally ignored. They just watch the guys. And I hadn't thought about the psychology of it at the time, but that was their their information feedback that they get from their market research, I guess. So Interesting. So we had to keep it pretty much, um, I don't clean's not the good, a good word for it, but uh, antiseptic, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of level-headed. But we
1: had all sorts of things going on though in the studio. <laughs>
2: well,
3: that's oh,
1: something
2: yes. we did ask Doug um, at the panel, because we had come across, um, someone had taken a, picture, a video clip of a recording session for the Thundercats, and it got passed around to a few of the Thundercat fans. I happened to be one of them and shared it with Jason. Um, they were just basically goofing off, but it was almost uh, almost instantaneous. They would say their line and then they would say, oh, the joke's on you, but they were actually just j- joking between okay. their, their voice actor, not mm-hmm. actually following the script. Did did some of that go on in the studio? I think Doug I mean, a little you bit. Mean,
1: improving and throwing it in. Yeah. Um, that not that went in, not that went into the uh, final production, but yeah, we we had people because the studio is very small and we were just in a certain little, in a circle. And <laughs> <laughs> this is this is from another session, but I'll, this will give you an idea of the kind of things that were going on. We were doing a session of another uh, uh, another. Cartoon series, and we had our hear- earphones on, and we heard a voice, and it was Doug, and he was saying, "Have you heard? Have you heard about the um, what was it? Oh, what animal was it? Not a mouse, a ferret, but for, anyway, that um, uh, Richard Gear had gone to the hospital because they remember that. Yes." yes. And he's telling us about it over the, with the earphones here in, in the studio. And I said, "Who is that? Who is that?" I looked around and said, "Oh, I see over there. It's Doug." And he's saying, "Oh, do you know?" That kind of stuff went on time. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. What was the animal that I've forgotten? Not a mouse. Not a gerbil. A gerbil. Thank you. It was a gerbil. Had to have a gerbil removed. Yes. Thank you. Oh, they had all kinds of stuff, and some of it—some of it was so dirty that I didn't even understand it. So I, <laughs> I'd have to ask—I'd have to ask Brendan when we got home. What did that mean? Oh, don't you know this so and so and so? So I got an education.
3: I, I was going to say, now you got some material for your uh, your novel. Yes, today. I do.
1: Hmm, <laughs> wow. that stuff go—that should, that should go into Fifty Shades of Grey.
3: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. We didn't really touch on, because you, uh, you did Mask, and then you also did Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Which is uh, another show that lasted, what, 65 episodes, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, I still I still get residuals off that. They're small so, now.
3: So how, I mean, uh, was it something that Deke said, well, we loved your performance in Mask, yeah. and can we try this out? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah exactly um and they they uh, this is something that had already been been shooting and it's not shooting already been been in process and they lost the the um actor who was playing gina and she they said we need a voice match or the closest we we can get it to a voice match uh and you with her inflections and her her style right so um i went in i think there were i think there were three of us who auditioned and um i just Luckily I listened and listened to her voice to see her 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 character, her characteristics. And you have to also make sure it's Gina too, because you know Gina exactly. you're right. Um, yeah, and I did that for god on how a year I guess. And again, doing all different women and all different children. I had a little Japanese boy that I had to do in that one. And every time I play that back I think, Wow, Sharon, you did a good job with that. <laughs> I've been recognized that as your voice. Um for sure. And then I did uh, th- uh, a thing called Popples. Uh, it was sort of uh-huh. like little little weird th- animal.
3: They're actually making a comeback. Oh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Netflix is actually putting out a new series with the Popples. I-,
1: I wasn't crazy, but I wanted to do My Little Pony. That what I w- would have loved to do, but nobody ever asked me. So, <laughs> so I didn't get to do that one. But that was fun. And then for a long time there, there was a... A producer in town who would buy Japanese cartoons, revoice them in English, and then sell them. And we got hooked in with him, and we just worked and worked and worked and worked right? brendan Brendan and Doug and I somehow got hooked into it. Oh, oh, oh I remember uh, it was uh, Marcia Marcia Goodman. She said to us one day, and uh, took us aside, three of us, and said, these people are looking for voice actors. Um, I've, I recommended you if you'd like to go and see them, blah, blah, blah. That's how we did that, because I'd forgotten how, how we got hooked up. And that was very profitable for it. But we did about, about two years on that, too. Um, but that was... That was not the uh, Canadian contract. Brendan was telling you we had to do the first one under, right, right. and we also did Brendan and I also did some of the the real Ghostbusters, the the cartoons. Oh really? Series. Wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, because once once we were with Deke, whatever Deke was producing, if they had a need for us, they could just say, "Oh, come over to here and do this one, do some of this one, do some of that one, do another one." Um, and I had said to them one time that my mother's family is from Louisiana they're Cajun Cajun French and um for some reason she, I don't know why I told her but I did and so she called me and she said I have uh an episode that takes place in New Orleans and there's a girl in it and she's Cajun and I remembered that you said you can do your your your, your aunt's voice and I said yeah I can do my aunt's voice I said <laughs> the the thing is it it's not an attractive accent though he, she's a beautiful girl and I, she said, she's very sexy. I said, well, this accent is not sexy at all. It's not an attractive accent, but it's it's real. So that's how we started doing that. And then Brendan got called in to do an Irish cop because his family is from Ireland, and he just goes in and does his father. Um, <laughs> and, and it's perfect. It's neat. Yeah. 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 So it reads itself.
2: Have there been there any um, uh, voices that you've done that were... I'll call it copycats of something else. Like what we hear in your work, what we have heard maybe a trace of Vanessa or something else along the lines that's hiding out there.
1: Oh, I'm sure that probably that sneaks in very frequently. I don't do it consciously, but uh, I'm sure it sneaks in there because those are all, they're all swimming around. The only conscious one I ever did was I, I had an audition for something and they said, we want sort of a Lauren Bacall voice and I thought, then why did you call me in? Because I don't have a Lauren Bacall voice. <laughs> so before I went in to read, I went down here somewhere. And that may have been a little bit of Vanessa. And I thought, it's the closest I can get to Lauren Bacall. Um, and I got a call back on it. So I thought, well, maybe I, maybe <laughs> Vanessa sounds like Lauren Bacall. I don't know. Um, didn't get Didn't get the commercial, but I got a call back out of it. So it told me that... If you drop it, drop it way down. You know, it 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 might work. Uh, but yeah, that's probably a little bit of Vanessa. Good. Not Good. much, not much of Gloria. Right. right. Not the cat. <laughs> you know, you've got to dig deep for a cuckoo clock. Yeah. Of <laughs> that's got to sound right from the first. And there, as as Brendan told you, they're moving like this. You can't. You say, "Oh, can I do that over?" No, that was good. That's fine. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Always.
3: It's it's neat to hear, because you know I I know that voice acting and, and just the production of it has changed so much. Where you're, you know, back in the '80s and, and probably '90s, where you had that interaction yep. with everybody around the round table, and now it's just more one on one. You're looking at a screen and. All right, this is what happens, and you go on to the next thing. Where, you know, I I don't know. I, I think that experience that you guys had is was much more uh, lasting, I guess you would say, than just staring at a screen. And you're the only one in there, and you don't even talk to anybody else. You know,
1: you're closer to your uh, material now, right? Uh, oh, and 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 as a result, you're you're losing. You lose it more than you gain. I, I had a i was surprised because i i i usually memorize but i did a job a year ago and they handed me this very complicated script But it was on an ipad and it was rolled you know, like this on the <laughs> ipad and i said i can't do this i'm a paper person they said we don't have it on paper i said okay then put it up on the screen there because I had a screen. They put it up on the screen. But I thought, don't give me an iPad and because I'll roll too fast or I'll roll not fast enough. And it throws off my rhythm here. And, and that's one of the things that I find um, frustrating is that you have people who call you in to do a job and they don't know what the job is. They don't know what it takes to do the job. They don't know that you need a glass of water. They don't know uh, that you need, for me, I need to have a sock over, a wind sock over the, the microphone because I'm a pee popper. Um, and if they have, if they think about what the actor needs, they'll have everything available there for you, but they don't know. And that's because so many of them are so young now. They just don't know. They used to be a secretary. They've now moved up to casting or producing or whatever. Um, and they don't know what it takes to make the, j- to get the job done. But, um, but I'm thrilled that I don't have to worry about the donut hole anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All done. I'm finished
3: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we both have a, a short career in in radio. So you know, when I was in college, I actually have a radio broadcasting degree that, that I've never used. But um, I, we were on the cusp of the digital era. So when White and I were actually working at our our hometown radio station, you know, we were used to those trying to fill in those holes. Uh-huh. And, uh You had the uh, the, uh the manager calling you up in the middle of the night that that commercial wasn't tight enough come on you know I, there was five seconds of dead air in there and we know all about that all about that kind of you know details and stuff mm-hmm. um, working back then but yeah it, the whole game has changed now so
1: but don't you think it's valuable that, that you had that experience oh,
3: oh yeah, yeah yeah it gave you an ear and I'm sure you can attest to this it gives Gives me an ear, even just when we're producing the podcast here, of kind of shoring everything together, and uh, you just have an ear for what it should sound like, rather than uh, just let me cut out an um here and an um here. And what we do with the, or what I do with the, um, the episode reviews is Wyatt and I essentially do a play by play of the whole episode, and then I'll throw in a clip of. Uh, the actual character talking mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, well, obviously uh, since I produced it, I think it sounds good, but uh, we've had several comp uh, compliments on that, and it's just fun to to be able to do that now obviously it's a lot easier. you can do it over the web and you can you've got all this digital equipment now, but I don't know there's still something about that that manual process that we went through back then uh, to get everything. It, it's almost like compartmentalized, you know, like you were alluding to before and it gets that in your brain. So you can, you almost hear it before you put it all together. That, um, and I, anyway, and I, was DJing,
2: for, I was DJing for some time uh, up until I'd say the last three years or so. And a lot of the basics I learned from DJing were literally from our radio station that, that we worked at Um. I, I have an automated player. I can let it play for me. Mm-hmm. I use it for restroom breaks or to double-check the sound levels when I'm working the crowd. But most of the time, I love the CD, the actual CD player, single CD player, and being able to start the next song at the right beat or the right level and making it flow instead of that typical, there's dead air, just like you're listening to a... a I was going to say a tape, but an iPod or, or uh, uh, whatever MP3 player nowadays where there's still that two- or three-second delay, that kind of thing.
1: Uh, it's WKRP in Cincinnati. That's it. Johnny Fever. <laughs> I Never. like that part, too. I, I like hearing that sound of woo before woo before it starts. If, they're, if you're ready to get back and forth, I like uh, that stuff. Yeah, I think we've lost a lot. We've gained a lot, but I think we've lost – some of the, some of the meat um, that I wouldn't mind seeing. The only thing I don't want again is that donut hole. But everything else, <laughs> everything else would be fine.
2: Well, uh, it's hilarious because I listen to radio stations often, uh, typically talk shows now. But I don't know how many times I'm sitting there in my own mind. I'm hearing the station manager calling me up already, saying, "There's three seconds of dead air. What's going on? I'm going to fire you."
4: Huh?
2: And I'm sitting there going, spitting it out sometimes either in my head or even just verbally I do the, the same thing. Wheel, saying why are you you know this radio station this dj just got fired there's 10 seconds of dead air and here it's all just automation the automation is t- kicked in yeah. and they've not programmed it correctly or it had a glitch or uh, the yeah. board op if he happens to be there happened to hit the wrong button now it's flipped out so it's um, it's amazing what you notice especially when you were at when you were taught on a different mechanism, or even from a different um, station manager that was a little more strict. In fact, I worked at a second radio station, and that that station manager couldn't couldn't um, keep me employed. Basically, um, what I mean by that is he wanted to he wanted to he was a mom and pop radio station that barely was staying afloat, and he wanted to pay me more for what I knew from working just the one year at my hometown radio station because. I was the only one that kind of had an idea of how to produce things. Basically, yeah, (laughs) and and their their broadcasters, their people were just uh, they were haphazard. I kept sitting there shaking my head going, man, uh, if I were at the other radio station or if I were the station manager, this guy would be already gone or he'd he'd get remedial training, something. (laughs) So it was it was just a. It was humbling in that regard because station manager saw saw the value that the previous radio station had for me. But uh, and I've I've just kept it with me all these years. Even even when the um, the only time I DJ now seems to be for church venues anymore. Even when I do that, I still get people coming up to me going, "Man, do you do this for professionally or something?" And I'll say, "Well, I'm semi-retired. <laughs> <laughs> my, my military career is unfortunately." More, more pressing as well as now. I'm a family man, so it's it's a little more difficult to get out and do uh, events like I used to. But uh, was. So aren't, you, aren't you having a
1: great time with Jason though, doing these podcasts?
2: Oh, this oh, yeah. this is. I wish we could do this full time and get paid for it. <laughs> it full time, um, and it's this is fun. Uh, we, uh, I joke when we do the episodes, we have a blast, and that's exact. It's just awesome, and now it's. Even better, that's probably not the right, even the best descriptor of it, but it's uh, humbling, unique, surreal, a better word for it, that we are talking with our voice actors that we grew up with. I said it with our interview with Doug that we would have never fathomed 30 years ago when we were nine or 10 years old that we would, one, have the technology that we have today, and two, be able to use it and just uh, essentially call you up on Skype and say, "Hey, Sharon, nice to meet you. Hey, thank <laughs> right. You, know you wish Gloria and Vanessa. I remember you. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's, and, it's, it's just it, awesome. It bring, uh, I'm
4: sorry. It brings
1: support. it brings it it brings it all to you. All you have to do is call for it, and it just brings it right to you. That's I find that amazing that we can do that. Um, and and speaking of, of de- speaking of dead air." Um, I there was a uh, uh, um, audio books, it's called Audio Lark, I believe is the company name. Uh, I did, um, I narrated six of their what they called their erotic books. Turned out that when I got the first script, Brendan was my my, um, sound engineer. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting here doing making sure that the sound is okay and everything. And he kept saying to me, you, you, you look, you look at all this dead. You, you could, when you're looking at it on the MP3, you can see, right? And he's saying, yeah, right. "You got to tighten this up, tighten this up, tighten this up. You got to do that again. You got to come at the same level. You missed a level there because you went to get a drink of water or something like that." It was very, very helpful, but it gave me a new understanding of what the engineering is like. And I think if actors and engineers each knew what the other person's uh, um, arc was that he has to follow, that he has to get to get the job done, um, I think the, the product would be f- better, faster,
4: mm-hmm.
1: definitely better and definitely faster. Um, but we don't know, you know, it's, right. we just figure, okay, he does what he does and I do what I do and, um, but it really helped me having an actor who was also my engineer because he could, he could run me through things. Uh, but most essentially, he could tighten up all those places. But what I realized, and you, you both know this, is that if you left the room and came back, you may be starting this second bit at a level that was different from the level that you were going into it with. You got to go back. You got to go back right. and hit that wherever that was. Um, and I don't know if that's something you can correct. You know, and that the sound engineer can even correct. I think the actor has to come back and hit it. And that goes back to what I was saying before about where, what pitch was the, um, was the computer on the, on the, right? And I have to hit that same pitch again, but I'd get playback for that. So those are all things that become big issues, and you wouldn't think so.
3: Right. Well, Wyatt, should we let her go? <laughs>
1: Well, you promised, you promised.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, we did.
2: We did, but uh, it's been a, a real pleasure. Real treat. Uh, to have you and, and Brennan come on. Wish we could do this more often. In fact, Jason <laughs> and I joked, uh, we were trying like crazy to see if we could pull off a, a like a big, I'll call it a big surprise for our Mask fans by doing having all the voice actors come in whether it be a Skype or we've been using a, a, a newer product called Hangouts, Google Hangouts. yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
2: where we can, it's just exactly like this, uh, except that it, um, it produces it as a live feed as we're producing it. Uh-huh. And uh, it would be, it was going to be uh, my envision and, and Jason had a little bit different view. I, was, I wanted to do like a big surprise, just give, give our fans a little email saying, you do not want to miss this episode, you will not <laughs> regret it. Mm-hmm. Leave that and then have as many as we could, uh, you, uh, Doug, Brennan, uh, Graham, if we could get him, Mark Hollering, and mm-hmm. just open it up and go, hey, I'm Matt Tracker. Hey, I play Gloria and this one big and I almost wanted to be able to turn the camera on uh, like the audience and go, <gasps> we get to see mad people. <laughs> so, well, um, I can tell
1: you this. If you did that, all hell would break loose. <laughs> you get all these guys together in one room and you can't stop them. They take off. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm all, all yeah. for that.
4: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. You'd have to you'd have to get a stick and say, Shut up now he's talking. And the the jokes would be flying and all the dirty remarks would be flying. But it'd be fun. It would be great oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, maybe we got a screener then Wyatt. uh <laughs> Sharon's the screener. There we go. Yeah.
1: I can't stop them though Cut uh, the once feed. they get Cut going. The <laughs> <laughs> um well then, so shall I shall I ask uh, Mark if he'd be interested in getting in touch with you guys?
3: Please. Please. Yes. Okay. Um I've like I said, I messaged him a couple times on Facebook. He said he was open to it. Um we just haven't really set up a time, but um uh, maybe a nudge from you would be uh, okay. great.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're due if, uh, to have lunch uh, whenever I can get a time. But in the meantime, I'll just I'll just uh, I'll chat with him, and okay. yeah, he does. He's he's he his his schedule is erratic, um, but I'm sure he'd love to do this. And he could do all of his voices for you, and he would do it happily. everyone he ever did, it. yeah. Well, you know, you know Sly Rax, of course. That's oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah. And when we first started doing it, Marcia said, oh, we may, have, we may have a copyright problem here. I don't know. We'll have to chance it and see. And uh-huh. as it turned out, there was never a problem. But <laughs> he, he would do it for you. And and when right. when you see him, when you chat with him, ask him to do William Shatner.
3: That should be awesome. So I'll, I'll write it down yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> and his miles mayhem. And his
1: miles mayhem. Uh-huh. Yes, his miles mayhem.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the price has gone
1: up. <laughs> i did find one time in one episode i was listening to myself and i heard vanessa and i thought she no, she sounded like Miles mayhem there because instead of instead of speaking in a deep silky voice like this she was getting a little rough like that <laughs> and i thought oh no we don't we want to back off because she's a she's one of those that that that's kills you with a hairpin, you know, um, and, then, and then says, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but it's just the fact that we work together and it sort of begins to rub off on each other. Uh, yeah, but you'll have a great time with them. Uh, and if you ever want everybody together and you can pull it off, let us know.
2: We will. We'll
3: try.
1: Because <laughs> we'll always have our computer.
2: Sure.
3: So will we. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay why well you let's uh i guess let's go ahead and wrap it up and again we just we thank you for your time and um, you're absolutely welcome uh, it was it was a real blast is why it always says uh, chatting and all your insight uh, i mean I, it's amazing to me that we can remember you know watching the show and again it's amazing that um the show was that impactful that you guys can just basically jog your memory yeah. years later and uh, it seems like it was yesterday. It does. But, um,
1: it seems it, it seems about ten years ago to me.
3: Yeah.
1: It's about ten years ago, something like yeah, maybe a little maybe a little less, but about ten. And it's not, it's thirty. Right, and and right. I remember when I was a kid hearing my parents say, Well, you know, twenty years ago, and I thought, Twenty years ago, that's that's forever. That's <laughs> such a long time. And now thirty years has passed and it seems like ten. So uh, I guess that's that's how our lives go. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. call me if you need me.
3: <laughs> Great.. Well, thank you. Thank you again. You're and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, and sign off. Uh, uh, we appreciate everybody listening, and of course for Sharon and Brennan to uh, to come on and uh, give their memories and, and everything they have tonight. It was a real treat.
2: And thank you, Sharon, very much for for being on the our mass cast. Please uh, extend that to Brennan. Uh, Mr. Mouth Mayhem himself Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Yes, thank you all for listening to MassCast